Hello and welcome to Regen, the e-racing podcast. I'm your host Dino and I'm here once again with Chris Salisbury from Motorsport Monday. How are you once again, Chris? Hello, I'm good. Great to be back on once more. Uh, fourth time now. Uh, you can't keep me away. No, no, you're um, you're turning definitely, definitely turning into a regular these days. <laughs> you know me, eager as always. I love talking about Formula E. You got your cup of tea with you? Yeah, I've got my cup of tea. I'll probably have a slurp in a second. Oh, very good. I'll, well, I'll try and be quiet though. <laughs> I'll I'll try and cut you out as much as possible. So yeah, keep slurping away. Uh, brilliant. Edit me. <laughs> Alrighty, let's just crack into this. This is going to be an action-packed one. Media of the week. I have been watching Grand Prix Driver, the McLaren sort of documentary by Amazon. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it is a a very interesting behind-the-scenes look into what actually goes on in in the factory uh, and and the different sort of... Well, the behind-the-scenes footage of, of what drivers do and how hard they push themselves and, and um, just some of the some of the struggles of, of McLaren and the Honda engine. It was uh, right. a real eye-opener about why they struggled so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine there'd be a few problems <laughs> in that scenario. Yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. So do you have a media of the week, Chris? Yeah, I'll have to, um, I'll have to give that a, a peek. Uh, over the past week, I've been watching a TV drama called War and Peace. Um, absolutely fantastic. It's uh, only six episodes, though, which is a bit annoying. But it's based on the book War and Peace by uh, Leo Tolstoy. And uh, absolutely fantastic show. It's got uh, Paul Dano and Lily James, who was in a... Ooh, I want to say it was a live-action version of Cinderella uh, that was Disney. But... Absolutely fantastic show. I've seen it before. It was released in 2016, as I just said. Definitely check it out if you get the chance. Very good. Cool. I will have to check that out. You'll have to send me some links um, for where you can find it. Yeah, I will. I'll, uh, we'll insert them into the description. And uh, yeah, very good. Very good show. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Chris, a uh, bit of controversy also in the Jaguar I Pace E Trophy with um, it coming back for Sanya. New track, obviously. Sanya. Uh, we've seen it at Adiria, Mexico City, Hong Kong, and uh, Sanya again. And um, yeah, it was a very controversial race, actually. And it was. Um, when is it, it was not? Good. When is it not? Yeah, when is it not? You know, it's uh, <laughs> that's uh, electric racing at the moment, isn't it, though? Completely unpredictable. Sprinkled with a bit of controversy. Yeah, that's how we and like we, it. Uh, we love we love it for it, really. We love it for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, first, Kaka Bueno. Uh, second, the Kiwi Simon Evans, and third, Stefan Radzinski. Now, Simon Evans now leads the championship with forty six points after Brian Sellers was disqualified. Now, I saw you. I didn't read it. I'm 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 a terrible person. Oh. But. Uh, <laughs> Well, I've been writing the show notes for this, to be fair, so... Um, Need those readers? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll read it after, but uh, Brian Sellers was disqualified for suspension, was it? Yeah, so um, originally in the final result, it was Sellers who took third. He started from third place um, in the race, and it's a, it's a very lengthy statement. But um, after post-race um it was found... That he didn't use factory installed dampers and springs 
on the rear suspension of his car. Right. And that failed to comply with championships regulations. Mm. So he used um, the wrong springs, essentially, and they weren't up to uh, Jaguar Land Rover specification. Right. Um, But also, when it was examined further, um, there was a cable tie found strapped to the rear shock absorbers of his car, which would increase roll rigidity and therefore stability in the rear suspension. Oh, no. Um, and I think it was that that eventually led to the disqualification because it just changes the whole balance of the car, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So that's what led to his downfall. Oh. And and do you know if all the cars get scrutinised or is it just random checks? I'm not sure because I haven't been able to get to an IFAC trophy race this year, so I haven't seen the whole process of how it works. But... In Sanya, it was a, a only eleven cars race. So I would, I would imagine that all of them would be scrutinized. I think, it, I mean, Formula E, they're all scrutinized afterwards. So yeah, for sure. I'm presuming it would be the same procedure. Okay. Hmm. Well, very unlucky. Yeah, very unlucky. Yeah, it uh, puts puts Simon Evans up the top, which yeah, that's that's good for us Kiwis. So let's let's keep him there and a, a good showing from him. Uh, Stefan Rosinski with his first podium. Yeah, so we've had Simon Evans shoot back to the top. He he's leading once again after Adiria, and then we've got Radzinski in third, and that's uh, that's TWR to cheat us first podium in the series, his first podium in the series, but um, probably quite you know it, it it'll give him a bit of hope as well because he he hasn't had the cleanest run in the championship. He had a couple of DNFs, some scrappy races, and yeah, third for him. He originally finished fifth at the line. Uh, yeah, he finished fifth at the line. The disqualification from Sellers put him to fourth. But then Sergio Jimenez was also handed a one-second time penalty oh. um, after the race. Oh, very good. Yeah, so the one-second time penalty put Redzinski up another place, and that was that was because Jimenez pulled off another questionable overtake in the final stages of the race. Oh, he's good at that, yeah. Yeah. He's good at that, but uh, we we like that he's good at that because yeah, his overtaking is fantastic. Yeah, we do. That's, it really that's is. Perfect. Alrighty, yeah. we will uh, jump into Formula E and Quali and Super Pole. This was a bit of a surprise, but really, I should have known um, that the the Nissans would be quick. So we had in Super Pole Alexander Sims, Daniel Apt, Sebastian Buemi, Jean-Éric Verne, and Oliver Rowland. And Roland coming out on top with pole. Did you think this was going to be the outcome? Oh, it's a hard call, really. Um, because we've seen Roland up there. It was his third Super Bowl appearance in a row. And uh, the Nissan package has been shown a lot of pace recently, um, particularly on Roland's side of the garage. But mm, I, I didn't expect him to take pole. After finding out that Boemi was in Super Bowl, I immediately thought mm, Boemi yeah. will get pole. Here it's we go. Sebastian Boemi. He's a qualifying machine. He's a Formula E machine. Put that man behind a, you know, a solid car and he'll deliver you a solid result. But um, that wasn't the case. Uh, Boemi crashed in turn three in his final qualifying run. And that just left Roland unchallenged, really. Yeah, I guess Jean-Éric Verne only a tenth behind. Uh, so it was... It was- Pretty, pretty tight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we um, 
I mean, Apt uh, started off qualifying. Um, he completed his qualifying run. And then we had Vern, who was the second uh, second slowest in in the top six because he was fifth fastest in the group qualifying stages. And then eventually Vern's time that was set as the second time in the session ended up as good enough to be second best. Um, but that was because Boemi crashed. Obviously, I think if I think if, mm, if Boemi hadn't have had his incident, he would have been up there. Obviously, but also Alexander Sims. Um, we saw Sims didn't take part in Super Bowl for those who haven't seen uh, qualifying or haven't read any media or looked at anything. But um, Sims was supposed to take part in Super Bowl, but had a gearbox failure, and not, he was just unable to select gear and select drive in the car. Yeah, just couldn't go. Yeah, just he just couldn't go, so he couldn't complete his final qualifying run, but. He was very fast. He was very fast in qualifying. He was, yeah. Yeah. It was a very tightly grouped um, initial qualifying zone among the four groups. I think um, Buemi ended up with a two-tenth advantage, and then, you know, we had small margins off, like 6,000, 7,000 off, and it was was very, very tight. Yeah, it was. And um, both BMW cars, both Nissan cars making it into Super Bowl. I mean, I think the Audis had the pace. I don't know what happened to Lucas Degrassi. He was uh, quite a wee way down the order. Yeah, um, I would have expected Lucas Degrassi to be up there, but he was qualifying in Group 1, I believe. Um, and Sanya was a coastal circuit again. And um, we see this in Punta del Este all the time, where sand will be blown under the circuit. The circuit will become a bit dusty and uh, dirty because of a lack of running in between FP2 and qualifying. And then Group 1 immediately sees its traditional disadvantage because it has to essentially act as one big uh, hoover and a clean-up circus for the rest of qualifying. Uh, We saw Sam Bird struggle. He was the first man out in qualifying. And I think he ended up in 16th overall. Well, in that case, well done to uh, Da Costa, Group 1. Yeah, De Costa was very pacey. Very I'm, good. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure how much of an advantage he has. I want to say, I think it was about, yeah, about half a second advantage of the remainder of the Group One runners. Which is just incredible when you think about it. So yeah, yeah he um obviously did enough to uh, start third in the race. Yeah, I mean it was a great result for uh, De Costa. The BMW package was very strong in Sanya. It was um. The BMW is an efficient car, and it's you know it's not short on power either. But what was interesting though was the the Nissan car. Um, so you, I don't know if you've read anything over the past week, but um, it's emerged that Nissan is running um a double motor generator unit in its powertrain. Right. Um, which is. Very interesting. So, um, obviously, in Formula E, in, in, in its first season, we saw a stock powertrain be used. I want to say it was developed by Renault. I might be mistaken, but I am woke, waking up at the moment. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, so, so don't quote me. Um, but in Season 2, we saw um, Formula E teams be able to develop their own powertrain using their own specification. And we saw DS Virgin Racing uh, use a split, um, a double 
a two motor generator units in season two. And then Neo have also tried it from season two to the end of season four. Um, I think they've given that given up on that there now, though. And what the double motor generator unit does is it's completely legal. In Formula E, you're allowed to use two motor generator units, or you can use one single one. Uh, completely down to the design team and the manufacturer, or whatever would be preferred. But it it probably increases efficiency, but it also leads to like a more equal equal power dispersal um, to the rear of the car. And Nissan have been using this specification. I think they're the only team uh, on the grid that are doing it at the moment. It's certainly working for them. But Nissan have a they've got a they've had success developing um, electric cars in the past. They obviously released the Leaf, which I think is the best selling electric vehicle on the market right now. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would be surprised if it isn't. There's plenty of them driving around here. Yeah, it's loads down here as well. Yeah, everywhere. Or up here. But, um, well, it depends which way you spin the globe, but yeah. Yeah, or which way you're holding it. <laughs> uh, upside down, if in this case, because I'm so worn out. Yeah, I just think that's quite interesting. Hmm. With the Nissan car. Okay, the race. A very chaotic start. Pascal Verline uh, caught napping, it seems, but makes up some lost places back. And uh, very curious, he might have been talking on the radio, I think it was, and just <laughs> didn't expect the lights, because the lights took a long time and then went pretty quickly, so. Yeah, the lights took, the lights took so long to go out in Sanya. I was, I was waiting, waiting for the, the, at least the first red light to go on, and the drivers were parked for what seemed for forever. I'd love to actually time it to know how long it was. The cars were parked for so long, it actually left drivers caught completely off guard. So Verline was on the team radio, apparently. Had a terrible getaway on the grid, uh, but he was able to fight back through the field. Yeah, it was uh, a good fight back from him and D'Ambrosio. Yeah, it was a solid result. Some uh, some crashes uh, certainly helped their cause late in the race, but um, we'll um, we'll start with Nelson Piquet. Now, this this has to be the most under pressure driver right now, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Piquet is... I think this is a make-or-break season for Piquet now. It's a, it's a sink-or-swim season, definitely. Because you've got to say, you know, he's... <laughs> Dare I say it, you know, do do Jaguar keep showing faith in him? Is it just a rough patch in, in the second half, you know, as we head into the I guess what we what we would you call it the European league of the season um that that you know things might improve I don't know because it, it, Jaguar who do they have to turn to at the end of the day they've got hope in tongue as their reserve driver yeah maybe just uh yeah <laughs> but I, I think it at that stage it's better to keep PK in the car but this off spell for PK hasn't it, it isn't just this season He's he's only finished inside the top 10 on two occasions in the past 13 races in Formula E. And of those 13 races, he's only seen the chequered flag in five of them. Mm. And that is... It's a dismal run of form. Piquet was obviously Formula E's inaugural champion. He hasn't finished inside the top three for over 40 races now. And I think this might be, it's a sink or swim season, definitely, uh, for Piquet. 
But he didn't he didn't help his own case in Sanya either. You know, he was fighting through the field. He was massively off the pace in qualifying. His teammate Evans qualified in twentieth. Uh, over a second off the pace, and he, he crashed the car in turn five. PK didn't crash the car at all and was 1.7 seconds off the pace. It's incredible. Uh, it's incredible. And then PK crashed in the race eventually and just took full responsibility for it. Um, I've got some quotes somewhere on PK. He says, uh, Obviously, it doesn't help both of us starting at the back. Uh, usually, there was strategy which is being aggressive. In my case today I take full responsibility for hitting the wall. I was pushing, I had nothing to lose and I had to try and gain positions. The team have been working working hard but we, we need to work harder and continue to make progress to put us in a better position for qualifying and a better position for the race. Yeah, that's, that's it. They're struggling over the pace of one in qualifying on their one lap pace, and that's impacting their race result directly. So, right, well, I would be, um, I'd be calling up, you know, Maxi Gunther and being like, "Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you wanna, you wanna hop in the car over here?" Yeah. But, um, slide into the DMs. <laughs> slide into the DMs. I love that. Slide into the DMs of Maxi Gunther Jaguar. Go yeah, on. It's good. <laughs> what <are> you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. How's it going? You want to? Yeah, uh, you, <laughs> you want to come and have a meeting and maybe drive our <laughs> <Yeah>. car? Anyway, <laughs> you want a job? Yeah. So, uh, with twenty-one minutes to go in the race, uh, Vern, with a great overtake for the lead, just chucks it up the inside of Roland, and and then is completely gone up the road easily. That this was this was a great piece of driving. This was composure that we haven't seen for a while from Vern. Yeah, it hasn't been the he's the reigning champion in Formula E, and his his season has been uncharacteristic uh, for a driver of his caliber. Um, he failed to finish in the points in Santiago, Mexico City, and Hong Kong, so it was a dry spell of three races, and that equaled his worst run of form in Formula E to date. That was back in season two when he was driving for Virgin with that uh you know two dual motor generator unit package. But, yeah, it was a total upturn in form from Vern. And Vern's performance in Sanya uh, really does warrant praise, I think. Because in practice, in practice one, he was struggling massively for pace. Uh, the car was had changing balance. He was locking his tyres. Uh, Diaz de Cheetah had to bleed the brakes. And it was looking, for, looking like a very difficult week, weekend for them, potentially. And he turned it around, put it on the front row of the grid and qualifying and won in, I think, very strong circumstances, definitely. Yeah. His overtake with 21 minutes to go um, was a fantastic overtake for the lead, very opportunistic. Uh, we saw him hunting Roland, poaching him uh, on the shores of Sanya, just weighing up where he could get past and where the driver was at his weakest saw the opportunity in turn 11 and just went straight up the inside. Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably my moment of the season so far, to be honest. It was exceptional. What was uh, typical with Formula E, of course, the race in Sanya was 
different to what we've seen this season. There wasn't as much overtaking. I think that was probably because of the um, the, the circuit layout. Perhaps I don't think it was the best circuit we've been on, but it was it was good. But it was very much the race felt like a procession to start off with, but as Formula E does. In the blink of an eye, the click of a finger, so much can change. And Verne overtaking Roland with 21 minutes to go was a, a catalyst for a, just one big colossal Titanic battle at the front, really. I think the uh, the commentators put it perfectly that um, the cars behind smelt blood and um, yes. Roland went over the curve and, and lost a piece somewhere. And then the other cars were, were right on his tail and it was yeah, a, a defence. Straight on it, you know. Any any sort of weakness, they are, they are there. Well, exactly. Um, which was awesome. Yeah, it definitely all kicked off after that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the field backed up uh, behind Roland. It was like a procession. I think it was the top seven uh, cars on track that were just nose to tail. Vern found his way past Roland. Then De Costa was sn- uh, sniffing at uh, sniffing at the driver. Um, I think he. I want to say he looked up turn. No, he didn't look up at turn three. He tried to overtake in turn five, picked up a bit of damage, and then Apt had a go, and it, it was just fantastic to watch. It really was. And uh, Alexander Sims crash. That was unlucky. Um, just finding himself on the on the inside, a bit too close to the wall. I think Andre Lotterer gave him. He gave him enough room. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so Sims's race came to an end in turn five. So when while De Costa, you know, had a sniff at Roland on the inside, uh, it was Lodera who thought, "I'm going to pull this over, take off." And in true Lodera fashion, he did. Charged straight at the inside of Sims, performed the overtake, but Sims was left to uh, left hanging out to dry around the outside, basically, and. Um, just slapped the exit wall of turn five and into turn six. That caused um, suspension damage to the car, and he obviously retired as, as a result. But I think, yeah, Lodro was completely justified in his overtake. You know, it wasn't a clean overtake. Well, he didn't make contact with Sims at the end of the day. No, I thought it was perfectly it was, fine. Yeah, I thought it was perfectly fine. He left the room. There was an investigation post-race. But it was decided that it was just a racing incident. Um, Sims felt that Lotterer was to blame uh, for the accident, and he still does. But if I were Sims, I would, I would probably say the same in all honesty. So I think it was justified, really. Mm. Alrighty. Boemi, Frains, and Degrassi. This is a bit of a tangle. Um, and Boemi at fault, or is Frains at fault for potentially moving under braking? It's a, it's a classic debate, isn't it? It is, yes. It will be soon. It will be. Um, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I haven't gone back and looked at it. I just saw the race and Frains absolutely ploughing into Degrassi, which that was him done. He, he, he wasn't going anywhere after that. Um, and I think he was running sixth, and then, yeah, couldn't finish the race. Yeah. Um, so the the crash happened in turn eight, didn't it? Yeah. It was. Um, Frines was pressuring Degrassi uh, massively um, in the closing stages of the race, but then he came under pressure from Buemi, 
And Buemi started from the pit lane and had, a, had this fantastic drive. Um, he fought from the back of the grid all the way through the field to be running inside the top 10 competitively and really challenging, um, you know, the points runners. The whole whole race turned on its head in the penultimate lap. Um, the timing screens had hit zero. All Vern had to do was cross the line, do one more lap, and then job done, race over. And no sooner had Vern gone through the turn eight hairpin, and the rest of the field started following through. And it looks like Robin Frines did break earlier into the corner. Then that caused Buemi to run into the back of him. And with the pushing force behind, Frines was unable to slow down. He smashed into the side of Degrassi. Degrassi retired immediately, straight away, jumped out of the car, full course yellow deployed, and then the race ends under yellow flag conditions and controlled conditions. So the results. Jean-Eric Verne takes the win, and he also gets the fastest lap. Oliver Rowland on pole um, and gets second. De Costa in third. Andre Lotterer, that's a good drive from him, from up from seventh. So he comes fourth. Fifth, Daniel Apt. Jerome D'Ambrosio, pretty much inheriting sixth. Uh, Pascal Verlein inheriting seventh. Uh, Buemi in eighth. Mitch Evans, a storming drive from 20th to 9th. And um, shout out also to Felipe Massa coming home in 10th from 15th on the grid. Um, I'm just going to go top 10. The rest of them got a goose egg. And there wasn't really that many finishes, to be honest. This was carnage all throughout. Yeah, there were so many retirements. Uh, So many. I haven't got uh, the results in front of me. But I do now. Uh, we only saw 14 cars finish in Sanya. Um, so Felipe Nasa retired. He had a technical problem on the opening lap. Uh, Sam Bird retired. He was the championship leader going into the race. He was rear-ended by Stoffel van Dorn on the first lap. And then van Dorn also retired. Uh, Jose Maria Lopez um, had a technical issue on his dragon car, failed finish. I've got to say, those dragons are just... Oh, those dragons, what's going on? I don't know what they're doing at Dragon, in all honesty. I don't think many people are interested in their plight, but uh, yeah, it's probably something, you know, really random, like put yeah. the powertrain in upside down, or I don't know. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting, it's, but yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Uh, we had Paffett uh, take eight, well, didn't take 18th, he didn't finish either. Uh, he had a drive shaft failure, I believe. Sims, who crashed. Pique, who crashed, not for the first time. And then Degrassi, who was the victim of the uh, the crash at the end of the race. So a lot of retirements, a lot of retirements. Carnage. Absolute carnage. Yeah. It was a typical Formula E race, wasn't it? It was, it was. We, uh, yeah, we're seeing more and more of that this season. Okay, so driver of the day. Who have you got for driver of the day, Chris? I struggled to pick this one because Roland did such a good job in setting to finish second. And, you know, you've got Vern as well, but I think I'm going to give it to Vern. It's a good choice. Um, simply, be- yeah, simply because of his upturn in form. We've seen, you know, he's had a very, diffi- a very difficult season. It hasn't been the easiest run for him. Um, 
the three consecutive non-point scoring finishes. Then he struggled with pace and practice with all of his braking problems and balance issues that I've already mentioned. And then a total turnaround of performance, front row of the grid, the win. You know, I think it, I thought it was a very controlled and measured drive. Yeah, Vern gets it for me. What about you? Uh, I was going to go Boemi, but I'm going to go for Roland. Yeah. The Nissan looked really good. I think, uh, he, like he said, he probably needs to work on his race pace, but I, I do think that it was, you know, it was looking really good, and uh, hopefully yeah. he can get the win next time. I mean, that's the thing. With with Roland, you've got to remember he's a, he's a rookie in Formula E. I think ooh, it was his seventh race start in Sanya. And compared to someone who's as experienced as Vern, it was Vern's 49th race start. He really did impress, didn't he? He did, yeah. Um, he mixed it up with the big boys and the veterans of Formula E, the, the big Formula E powerhouses and names. And um, it was expected that the race in um, Sanya was going to be uh, very heavy on energy efficiency and uh, energy usage. Um, so obviously the managed uh, energy figures was important, but we didn't really see that problem at the end of the day. I think I think all of the cars finished the race with you know double figures of um, percentage left on their battery. So. Yeah, that's uh, thanks to the the safety car and the full course yellow. But yeah, yeah, plenty yeah. of full course yellow safety cars. So mm. yeah, so that is six different pole sitters. And six different winners. Is it from it's six crazy. different teams? Yes, it is. Oh. I think it is. Yes, it is from six different teams. Five the different most, powertrain manufacturers. The most un- unpredictable motorsport in the world. Most unpredictable motorsport in the world. Most unpredictable Formula E season to date. You just can't... It's impossible to predict every race. What a time to be alive, listeners. Oh, fantastic. Okay, okay. right. So the Drivers' Championship. This now puts Antonio Felix da Costa up on top of the points with 62. Jerome D'Ambrosio, 61. And I've got to say, he just keeps picking up the points, uh, D'Ambrosio. You know, just chipping yeah. away, just getting getting the recovery. Uh, Jean-Eric Verne goes from 11th to 3rd with 54 points. He's back in the, he's back in the fight. I think it was not too long ago that I said that Verne wasn't going to be able to defend his title and and I think I just wrote him off too early yeah I think I said that Vern Vern would uh, win this race yeah Uh, yeah. I was so happy when that happened (laughs) I bet you were (laughs) Sam Bird it's nice uh, to predict something it is yeah Sam Bird now uh, 54 points after scoring nothing this race Lucas Degrassi 52 with Mortara on 52 Daniel Apt up to 44 points. Robin Frames, he's uh, down to 43 points. Um, Andre Lotterer at 41. He's uh, slowly making his way up after that disappointment in round five. Pascal Verlein slowly chipping away on 36, as well as Mitch Evans now on 36. Oliver Rowland on 27. So those are the, the main contenders at the moment. But I think, yeah, anyone in that sort of sort of range is still in the fight I think it's we've just passed the uh, the halfway point of this season and it is completely unpredictable to predict who will win the championship 
You've got DeCosta on 62 points, D'Ambrosio 61, Vern 54, Bird 54. It's so tightly grouped. I was just doing some very quick mental maths. And with the Romy Pre being the next race, we could see Andre Lotterer, who's in ninth with 41 points, if he did win in Rome, he could take the championship lead. In the space of one race weekend, we've seen Vern jump from 11th to 3rd. It is great. It is great. It really is unpredictable, and no one knows what will happen every weekend, because, you know, it's, really it's good. fantastic, fantastic racing at the moment, and, you know, the, the, this new Gen 2 package is delivering, the race format is delivering, tack mode is fantastic. I think Formula E have really hit the nail on the head this year, over the racing action. Definitely, definitely. Best season to date. And that brings us to the team's championship in Vision Virgin Racing on 97. Also tied now with Mahindra, back up top with 97. Audi, 96 points now. This is, uh, yeah, this is very quickly turning into the Audi and DS show again. DS with 95. BMW with 80. Venturi, 67. Nissan, 46. Panasonic Jaguar, 37. HWA7, Neo6, and Geox Dragon 2. Uh, just a note, uh, Tom Dillman is the only driver with zero points, as well as Felipe Nazar. And Nazar's only been in the car a couple of races, so come on, Tom. <laughs> I think Tom will finish in the points. I think, I think it's... Every time he's been in a Formula E car, he's delivered. And I think he's been very unlucky with what he's been given to drive this season because that Neo car is, it looks like a challenge to drive. And it's just not quite right, is it? Six points for Neo this year. I don't know how many points they had at this stage of last season, but it's such a difficult season for Neo. And Sanya was their home race as well. They're um, a heavily uh, Chinese-influenced team. Registered registered as a British, I believe. So they're based uh, in Oxfordshire, actually. Um, All right. Quite close to me. Oh well, but... head down the road. Can you get a Can you get an autograph for me? Or <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll, I'll try my best. Actually, if you, uh, you know, this one I'm going to get inundated with tweets from people going, oh, "Can you get me one?" <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no. yeah. yeah. Just just, Mate, just get Tom. To sign a stack if you can. <laughs> I'll uh, auction them off on Twitter. <laughs> but um, difficult season for Neo at the moment. Very difficult. But Geox Dragon at the bottom of the, you know, completely at the bottom with two points. Yeah, well. Um, dismal. That's just very, hashtag very put Gunther back in the car. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, NASA won't be racing in Rome, obviously, because he's doing a. Uh, He's driving an IMSA. I think we're expecting a a driver announcement within the next few days on that. But um, yeah, who who will it be? Who will it be? This is going to be interesting. We'll see if your uh, prediction slash conspiracy theory will come true uh, from last episode. It probably won't. It probably won't. But you never <laughs> it know. Probably knowing my luck, it won't. But if it did, I'd be uh, surprised. And speaking of Rome, last year. Pole position went to Felix Rosenquist. The fastest lap was Daniel Apt. In the podium, Sam Bird won last year. Uh, second, Lucas Degrassi. And third, Andre Lotterer. So, I would like a prediction, Chris. Who have you got? I've uh, written down 
in name. Uh, I mm-hmm. knew you would ask me this prediction. Yes, it's and on I the outline. I thought, I thought it's completely impossible to predict, really. So I've said, completely based on the fact that Andre Lodera can take the championship lead from ninth in the in the team in the driver standings currently. I've said that Andre Lodera is going to win the race. Okay. Maybe on that basis. Well. Yeah, I mean, all the cards have to fall in the right direction, but uh, it's yeah, possible. Exactly. You know, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not, indeed? Why not? Okay, I'm going for a 1 2 Nissan. I'm going to go Boemi to win, Roland to come second, and Lucas Degrassi to get third. Mic drop. There you have it. Okay. <laughs> Bang. That's it. So, that is all for this episode. Thank you for listening right to the end. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, room will be good. Uh, you know, finally the start of the European leg of the season. So uh, no more, no more ridiculous time zones for me to cover and uh, work on, which is a dream come true. But um, well, that, yeah, that's the thing. Like in New Zealand, it was all Saturday, so the whole thing was on Saturday, and the race was Saturday evening. It was great. See, for me, I think it was. Oh, I was doing stuff from around about ten o'clock at night on Friday. Then didn't finish until 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. So, and I say I finished at 11 o'clock in the morning on the Saturday. It didn't end then. I had a couple of hours of sleep, um, got back up, continued riding and doing stuff. So, oof. It was it was a long one. It was a very long one for me. And, and just quickly, Voest Alpine, the European League, has a has its own trophy. Is it? Yeah. So the European uh, League has its own trophy for this year. You remember I that? Had no idea. I had no yeah. idea. It I've does. learned something new. I've learned something new. No one. But, I was talking. I was talking on Twitter today, and no one recognizes or remembers this fact. I had no idea about that. Right. Okay. But it, well, it, it did makes get sense. announced. Yeah. It, it makes sense because the European legs. Five rounds, I want to say. It's Rome, Paris, Berlin. No. Rome, Bern. Paris, Rome, Paris, Monaco, Berlin, Bern. Yeah, yep. five rounds, five rounds. Um, that makes sense, actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, prediction on who's going to win the European Leagues. Trophy. Ooh. Um, Lucas Grassi. Yep, I agree. Cool. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, this was this was a lot to unpack, but thank you for, again, thank you for listening to the end. If you would like to talk with us, uh, all feedback, um, questions can be sent to hello at regenracingpodcast.com. We can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and regenracingpodcast.com. And if you have a spare minute, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or my new favourite, which is Podchaser. Uh, we would really appreciate that. Our intro music, Danelle Armour, featuring Sarah DeWarren Gallery, and it is used with permission from Danelle Armour. Check out his amazing music wherever you listen to your music, or major platforms. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you soon. Perfect.